So what I want to do here tonight is sort of a recap of a couple things that have been, a couple messages that have been spoken over the last couple weeks or a couple months. And the reason is how often, um, I think, I know at least for myself, I find myself being like some of my children. And that's um, that I might hear a message or I might hear a word and you know it's straight from the Lord, but then it bounces off of you and doesn't apply or you don't apply it. Um, Sorry, I'm just trying to get used to this mic. It sounds really good. Good. I know. It's very loud. Um, Make sure it's not on in the monitor's form. It's not. Okay, so uh, I want to recap because because I want to drive home the point that if we come in here and we hear the word and it only soaks so deep and we don't apply it out there, then it's nothing. There's been, there's been message after message, and they've lined up beautifully, interly, intertwined. And to me, when I hear that same thing over and over again from every different angle, you've got to know that it's the Lord. He says, he says uh, the same thing over and over and over. And I've been here for 10 months. And I've watched as he'll speak a message, he'll speak it through prophecy, he'll speak it through song, he'll speak it through a person. And it all intertwines beautifully. I love the fact that when, um, when I get up to speak, I know that he's with me because it ends up coming out in prophecy or in the song selection or whatever. And that gives me great comfort. That's always happened to me. We, uh, I used to go to the prisons and it never failed. Even if I went with somebody else, our two messages fit beautifully. Or, if it was just me speaking, whatever the song selection in the place was, it would come out. Somebody would prophesy and it'd be dead on. And that was just the Lord giving me comfort and teaching me that I'm with you. And He does that. He speaks to us. And so often we miss Him because we're often looking for Him when we may need to be listening for him. We may be listening for him when we, when we, when we may be needing to feel him. You know what I mean? Amen. Um, so if y'all would turn to Mark 4.21 tonight. And this is Wednesday, May 18th, 2011. Amen. Mark 4.21 says, He said to them, Do you bring in a lamp to put in under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on in, it, in its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Consider carefully what you hear. He continued, With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And even more, whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Okay, so my first experience in Christianity was a Baptist church for three years. And the first time I heard the scripture, it was uh, presented to me as a money scripture. And I think, wow, they're totally missed the mark. 
Because when I look into it, what I see is revelation. And it's very clear. It's talking about concealment of things not yet seen. Um, so I think when I see this, I imagine myself in a dark room, uh, not able to discern what's in front of me, and not even able to discern if anybody's in the room with me. Um, but Jesus points out the fact that if you find yourself in this place, you'd not bring a lamp to place under a bed, but you would post it in the corner. Amen? Um, in order to shine light on your situation. Uh, he tells us that the hidden things are disclosed. Um, so can you tell me anything that you think of, of uh, hidden things or disclosed things? When I think of disclosed, there's certain things that I think of. Uh, you have any? Things that have been disclosed? Yes. Yeah. Disclosed, yeah. The first thing that comes to mind, I have one, but do you have any to share? We have the right to be sons of God. Okay. All right. That's a highly spiritual answer. I'm going, I'm going for uh, in the natural. Um, <laughs> okay, so when I think of this closed, I think of uh, legal documents. Okay? Uh, when you're in an argument, uh, in a battle with somebody, and somebody uh, brings out some legal documents, all of a sudden the situation changes. It's disclosed. Uh, disclosed papers are... That's how I see it. Um, so could you tell me some things that are concealed? Actually. Handguns. Hey. <laughs> that's quick. That's my answer. Handguns. Or weapons. These are some things that are concealed. So if you show up... Am I sound funny? No, no. You're really fine. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, concealment. So if you show up at a knife fight and a gun is pulled, then the situation changes. Yeah. Circumstances change. Because a weapon has been revealed or something has been concealed or unconcealed. Uh, in Revelation it says that Jesus is the lampstand. Amen? We agree on that? We, we do. Okay, and in Luke uh, 12.32 it says uh, Jesus says, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Maybe something unseen, maybe something concealed, maybe something disclosed. And I want to major on this word today, give. Uh, so imagine you were in a dark room in a strange place. Maybe you, um, maybe it feels peaceful. Maybe it's a cool place. Maybe it's not so bad that it's dark. But when you get a handle on where you are, um, you get a grasp on something, and all of a sudden, maybe in the corner, you start to see a glimpse of a light. Something small. And then it, it starts to increase. And gets greater and greater in measure. Until it illuminates the whole room. And the... Um, lose my train of thought, I get it. That's alright, brother. Stop the print. That's 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, staying up, I'll be alright. Um, <laughs> okay, so you're in a room, and all of a sudden, the light illuminates the place. You, you realize that you're in the king's chambers. That you're in the presence of Jesus. Because he's the lampstand. He's the one producing the light 
in your dark place. And um, so I want to major on that word tonight, give, that I showed you. Because in order, if somebody gives you something, uh, the, ne the next thing you ask is, how do you receive it? How do you receive his kingdom? Uh, the kingdom goes as far, as we know, as far as the king's dominion, where he dominates, um, or his rule reigns. And where he reigns, his servants fall at his feet. We know this. Um, but how can, we, uh, how, how can we fall at the feet of Jesus if we don't learn to recognize the day of his visitation? If we don't recognize that it's him that showed up? Um, turn with me to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, 13. This is an account of uh, what's best known as the road to Emmaus. And, um, and it says, Now the same day, two of them were going to a, uh, a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are, you, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named uh, Cle Cleopas mm -hmm. asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and did not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, he replied. Uh, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests. And, all, uh, and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But he had hoped that he was the, uh, the one that would redeem Israel. And in 25 it says, And he said to them, How foolish are you, and how slow to heart to believe all the prophets had spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter, and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Wow. So they encounter Jesus on the road. And you can, you can make the argument, okay, well, he kept them from knowing them. But then their, their face were downcast. And maybe maybe if they didn't have downcast face and they lifted their eyes and looked into, into his eyes, maybe they would understand who it was they were talking to. Maybe if, their countenance, maybe if their countenance would have changed. Maybe if they would have uh, recognized the day of visitation. They would understand who it was that they were speaking with. It wasn't until he broke bread with them that their eyes were released. That the scales fell off. That they seen these things. So are we like Cleopas? Are we like Mary who outside the tomb, outside the empty tomb, seen Jesus, didn't recognize him? Are we like that? When he shows up, do we know that he's here? And if we don't, why? Maybe, maybe it's our downcast face. I think uh, our Father's voice has echoed uh, through our body week after week, month after month. 
he said some things, and um, and I, I want to get to those tonight. Uh, some of them are how to receive his kingdom, how to receive his equipment, the things that he's given you and how to use it, how to live the life between the trees. Yeah? Uh, God spoke to us through Zeke. I remember the message? Yeah. Yeah. It's not about you. And his, uh, he gave a profound look at your destiny. He showed us how Hadassah, or Esther, um, was used by God to divert annihilation from her people. Um, the beauty of that was, uh, was in the, the providence of God. When he said, if you remain silent, at this time, help will come for Israel. Help will come for Israel. Deliverance will come for my people. Why? Because it wasn't about her. It was about God's plan and God's plan for his people. He would have his way. It was a privilege to be part of his plan. Amen. During worship, I get this... Um, I get this picture of a door and Jesus, and he's saying, uh, you know, the scripture, I stand at the door and I knock. And, he's, and it's like he's, he's reeling in me. I stand at the door and knock. I still stand at the door and I'm still knocking. Let me in so that you can come away with me. You can come in. You can sup with me. You can, have, uh, you can come to my table that I've set before you. And take these things and glean from them. But if you don't, outside the door, you can't produce any fruit. You have to come in. You have to be. You have to fellowship with him. You have to be one with him in order to produce fruit. If you don't produce fruit, you you get cut off. Um, Zeke pointed out that we often miss the fact that our past trials are the very things that equip us for that such a time as this moment. Amen. That was a good word. How many times have we treated our trials as, as if they were directed from the enemy or from our sin or from our failure when in fact they may be from God? Amen. A gift. Yeah, a gift. Now, I'm not trying to give anybody a, a tool to justify sin. We know that. I think we're all mature enough to know that. I know that can um, border on that. But if brothers are born in adversity, then that makes adversity a teacher. And affliction a teacher. And a gift from God. Hmm. So do we recognize... The teachers. Hadassah saw her situation as devastating, but Mordecai saw it saw it as divine. Did she realize the day of God's visitation in her life? Jesus said, "I came into the house of my friends and they knew me not." And in the end, her. Uh, uh, Esther says, if I perish, I perish. 
in her moment in time, what she do? She fine-tuned herself. Amen. She fine-tuned her dial Amen. that we learned about. And she said, just as Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will. And in doing so, and I've seen that from Zeke's message, as she tuned in, dialed in, paused for a moment and said, am I going to do this? Ultimately said yes, stepped in to her destiny with God. In step with God. A couple months ago, I taught a, a teaching on uh, Hester Pawning. You remember that? Yeah. The hiding of the face for any of y'all who wasn't here. The concept derived from, um, from many years of suffering from the Jews and from the account of Esther. They, um, they drew the fact that even though things seemed terrible and annihilation was at the doorstep, that in a sense God had hid his face. And even though it seemed like, they, like he was hidden, but he was actually present. In the Bible, God hid his face from Cain. He hid his face from Moses and Job. He hid his face from David. I pointed out to the fact that, uh, that the Jews um, didn't think of this concept as punishment, uh, as we might see it, but they saw it as an attribute. They didn't take it as a rebuke. Uh, like the Song of Solomon when the, um, when the lover stood behind the lattice work, he, he stood behind the lattice work assorted to, uh, to hide himself, but he'd appear through it. And then, he'd tell, and then he would say, he'd say to his lover, come away, come away with me. It was a divine hide-and-seek game. It was a divine hide-and-seek me game. Uh, so, they took, so the Jewish people took this, and the high priest, the Kohanim, would take their... Um, would take their hands uh, in their prayer and they pray over the people, remember? And they made the symbols of the letter Shin, the Hebrew letter Shin. Or they use it in El Shaddai. Like this. Yeah, come Right. And they would put it like this and they would pray over the people. And uh, yeah, it's the spot symbol. That's where they got it from. Live long and prosper. It's because, yeah, prosperity. Right. That's what it means. Alright, so he would pray over the people like this. And um mess me up, man. That is funny. <laughs> <laughs> I just I noticed how well you do that. We're oh, talking about uh, hiding the face. Yeah. yeah, okay, so it's an invitation. Yeah, that's right. It's a hide and seek Alright. Well they derived this from the Song of Solomons. Right? It looked like lattice work when they put it together. And they would pray over the people. And it would say, and they would, it would remind them every time that God was present even though it seemed like he was not. That he might be uh, a hide and seek me moment where he was saying, you know, come and follow me. Um, it's funny because I think of that and I think, okay, if God's playing a hide and seek me moment, then what he's, uh, what he's trying to tell us is, I'm going to go over here, right on the other side of your comfort, and I'm going to tell you, come and follow me. That's what he does. Constantly. But we know that God will not abandon you. 
That's often where our feelings always go there, as if he's going to abandon us. When he cannot lie, and he said, I will not abandon you. <laughs> so his divine absence only means that he is now present in a new place where he wants you to go. A place where he has prepared for you. I always say we want to stay in the shadow of the Most High. The shadow. Alright, so you cast a shadow. In order to stay in the shadow, you got to stay maybe by the side, amen? Yeah. <laughs> so in the story of Esther or Hadassah, God was never not present in her situation. Even though she cried and she grieved, He was never not present in her situation. He did not abandon her. He was Never absent. Turn with me to Isaiah 30. Isaiah 30, 18. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Okay. Monday night. If anybody was there Monday night Bible study. We learned what grace was. So this brings a new uh, enlightenment to this scripture for me. Because I was already chewing on the scripture. And then Monday night we, we learned what grace was. And it, bam, it popped out at me. Okay. The Lord longs to be gracious to you. He longs to give you several ways and opportunities out of your situation where you're at. If he's going to give you grace, he's going to give you opportunity. If he's going to give you grace, he's going to give you things to apply to your life that will move you right out of that situation that you know is not for you. That's grace. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He longs to give you he arises to show you compassion for the Lord is a God of justice blessed are all who wait for him O people of Zion who live in Jerusalem you will weep no more <coughs> how gracious oh, there it is again he will be when you cry for help that's repentance as soon as uh, he hears you, he will answer you. Oh, I'm getting some. I'm getting uh, gleams of uh, Charlie's message now. Okay, Mr. Charlie. Brother Charlie. All right, then. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. <coughs> Why? Because he hears you. Although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity. And the water of affliction, your teachers will be hidden no more. Hmm. With your own eyes, you will see them. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear. And a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Wow. So, as a, so it says, as soon as you hear, he will answer you. Brother Charlie talked the other night, and it's just spinning in my head. 
from this when I read the scripture. I'm like, man, that's right on. Pray because he's listening. Pay attention because he heard you. <laughs> and wait because here he comes. <laughs> I love that. Pray because he's listening. Pay attention because he heard you. And wait because here he comes. We got to realize that Jesus tore the veil. Did he not? If you let him, he can lift that curtain and show you all the things that are going on around us. Just like Brother Charlie explained to us. There's so much happening that we're not realizing. So many things that we're not discerning that are going on. Good and bad. We do not realize all the good. We do not use our eyes that Jesus has given us. We do not see the things going on. We can fall into discouragement or depression because we don't realize that just by being faithful, things are happening all around you. You're producing fruit. Faithfulness produces fruit. And yeah, there's enemies creeping in and you don't see them. Because of lack of discernment. Your teachers will be hidden no more. He says that right after he says, even though I give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction. Oh, teachers. That won't be hidden to you anymore. This is a change of perspective. Like Pastor Eric pointed out. When the bread of adversity becomes manna from heaven. And when the water of affliction brings water to your dry body. I love it. Miss Sharon pointed out about having eyes to see the things of the Spirit happening all around you. Some of these things are sounding like things you might have heard. I hope so. That means you were listening. She talked about the Spirit leaving a wake in our train when we pray. You know, it's talking about going uh, right down the road praying and bam, you know, leaving a wake and it touching people in the houses. I thought that was beautiful. I love the fact, I love encountering people who are so sensitive to the Spirit. Sensitive to the things going on around them. It encourages me because I'm such a dull, you know, you go there as much. So, so it's good for me. You know, it, it, it provokes me to, to look harder or to hear closer, you know, or smell something. I'm, you know. <laughs> Come on. All right. Uh, she talked about, you know, like a wave rippling out from all around you. These are things of the kingdom. These are things seen with spiritual eyes. <laughs> These are things available to those born of the Spirit. Amen? It's not available to the rest. These are gifts. These are privileges. <laughs> These are things available. We don't even take advantage of them. Jesus loves you none the same, but you've still got things you're not taking advantage of. There's a heritage from the cross that you're just not, you're just not taking advantage of. Okay, so 
about 300 years before Jesus there, uh, was, was teaching things like this. There was a man who was known to the world um, as one of the most influential teachers uh, of, of all men. Uh, he was a Greek philosopher named Aristotle. Uh, he was a poet, and a scientist, politician, teacher. Uh, he laid out a few things for us. Something Ms. Sharon touched on called the five senses. Now today they try to take five senses and make about 400 senses. But that's our scientific minds going crazy. So when you go to study those things, it still boils down to about five senses. Who can name them? Senses. Senses are a psychological method of perception. Okay, we talk about perception. So what does that mean? To me, that means, in other words, these are our collectors. These are our collectors. This is how we gain. Here, we take our from smell, from touch, from sight, from hearing. We collect. We process, and we make judgment, and we act. Well, what is revelation? Yes? You're on mute. Okay. No, I'm, I'm on dead battery. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Speak to you and say, Leo! <laughs> okay, so I see revelation as sort of a sixth sense. Someone's always talking about a sixth sense. Revelation puts two and two together and shows you his truth in you. This makes a sixth sense. Sight is one of the ones we spoke of. Uh, sight, is sight or vision is an ability of the brain and eye to detect electromagnetic waves within a visible range. Okay, so when we put in a scientific term, all of a sudden it's not so go far out, right? When we're talking spiritual terms, it sounds a little funny, but you put a scientific term, it doesn't sound, you know, it brings it home for you. It's a difference. Jesus is trying to teach you to use what you have. John 9, 25, it, uh, he therefore answered, whether he be a sinner or not, one thing I know, that where I was blind, now I see. That's a spiritual statement. Hearing. Hearing or audition is the sense of sound perception. Uh, Romans 10 17 says, so, uh, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Taste. Taste is one of the two main chemical senses. Uh, Psalm 119 says, Psalm 119, 103, uh, how sweet are your words to my taste? Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Amen. <laughs> I mean, God's using it to drive on a point. He's taking each sense and he's driving his word in. He's going to use every avenue possible to get his word into you. Yet we always focus on one. See, you know. I got to see him. You know, Jesus, boy, if he just showed up right now and I could see him, well, then I do. Smell. It's the other chemical sense. Song of Solomon's 1 3. Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfume. Your name is like perfume poured out. No wonder the name is Can you repeat that scripture? Mm -hmm. Songs, uh, Songs of Solomon 1-3. Uh, 
pleasing is the fragrance of, of your perfume. Your name is like perfume poured out. No wonder the maidens love you. Touch. Touch has to do with balance. Touch has to do with temperature. Touch has to do with pain. And touch has to do with pleasure. And how often do we say, Lord, touch me. Come on, Lord, touch me. Right? Touch me. Okay, so, but if touch has to do with balance, maybe shalom, order in your life. Touch me, Lord, okay. Temperature, bring your fire, right? We say these things. Oh, but how many times do we say, Lord, bring your pain? Come on, Lord, bring some pain. Oh, but I'll take your pleasure. Of course. Bring adversity. Bring affliction. Teach me, Lord. Teach me. They're not screaming that at the altar. Touch me, Lord. Careful what you say. <laughs> Matthew 14, 36. And they besought him that they might only touch the border of his garment. And as many as touched him were made whole. Touch him and you will be made whole. He touches you. It's in order to redeem you. It's in order to bring life. Whether it's shalom to your life. Whether uh, he wants to bring fire to your life. Whether he wants to be pain or pleasure to your life. If he touches you, it's in order to bring life to you. Amen. How many times do we hear someone say, Well, I didn't hear God say. God. You're the one who hears from him. I didn't see him. Really? So in that avenue, I would I would say pray. Because he's listening. <laughs> Pay attention. Because he heard you. And wait. Because here he comes. He is on his way. There are mysteries to his kingdom. Mysteries. And they are found in the encounter of his presence. He is all merciful, but at the same time, he's all devastating. When you encounter him, there, there's a reason when you encounter him, the earth can shake. He's a hurricane of love, I heard in the song. He's a eradicator. <laughs> If you're not, if you haven't seen God, you can. Maybe you're not using what He's given to you. Hmm. Okay, you'll say, "Well, I haven't seen God. I haven't heard God. I can't hear Him." But He speaks in a still small voice. You got to get close to Him. If you can't hear God, guess what? You can smell him. Doesn't that sound funny? You can. Like any other sense, you can smell him. Y'all remember that commercial? Best part of waking up. Best part of waking up is Jesus in my cup. I mean, come on. You can smell him. His aroma, you know it. You can tell when you're in the presence of the Spirit of God. When we get in here and we pray, and people are at the altar, and God's moving in this place, 
You can close your eyes and you can feel him. That's sensing God. You didn't use your eyes. You can be deaf. You can be blind. All these things. And you can sense God. He knows how to reach you. He can touch people in comas. I mean, come on. Okay, so if Jesus showed up tonight, will we know it? Will we know it? Have we, in our minds, had a preconceived notion of what it would be like if he showed up? What he looks like, what he smells like, what he feels like. I think we only know a little bit about holy. A little bit. I think we only touch on it. My wife. She can adorn herself. She can uh, perfume herself. I didn't say that. Perfume herself. Sounds better. She can get all made up. And she can leave for hours and hours. And I can walk in the house and I can know that she was there. I know her presence. I know her smell. I know everything about her. She's not, not even without uh, perfume. I can just know she was here. Why? Because we're married. Because I know her. Right? Same thing with Jesus. You gotta know her. In order to realize, to sense what's going on with him when he's here. It's weird. It gets really really freaky when you're married for a while. <coughs> to be able to sense each other. I can sense when I'm doing something right. I can definitely sense when I'm doing something wrong. Amen. <laughs> when I have to say anything. I can think one I can think one thing and she'll do it. She can think something, and I'm doing it already. Come on, that's that. Can get a little strange, amen. That's because we're one. It's because we've we've been intimate and faithful for so long. Amen. Faithfulness causes these things. No, I can sense we test her. <laughs> because I have dwelled in her presence. For a faithful period of time. Amen. <laughs> Have you ever found yourself in a strange place and caught a glimpse of Jesus? You should have. You're in a place and all of a sudden, ooh, that's like Jesus. Oh, I've seen that before. That's that's my Jesus. Right? We should be looking for that. We should be on top of that. It should be happening all around us, all the time, and we should be paying attention because he is at work. Psalm 90. You don't have to turn there. Psalm 91. Moses said, I have, God has been a dwelling place throughout all generations. What's amazing is that comes from a man who lived most of his life and died in the desert. Yet he knew what it was to dwell in the house of God. He knew what it was to be able to go to a place with God. Even though he had people all around him who were complainers, there was pressure on him at all times, yet he had a place where he could go. He sensed it. He knew God. <laughs> Turn with me to Acts 27. Okay. <laughs> 
Okay, so we entered the story. Uh, we entered this story, and this is a storm. Uh, story of a storm and a shipwreck. Uh, this is Acts. Luke's writing it. Luke seems to be in prison with Paul. Um, and so we entered the story. So we got uh, Luke and Paul and some prisoners uh, on this uh, Roman ship. Uh, they've been, they've set a sail. They think all is good. They're headed to Rome. And all of a sudden, God sends something to change their whole outlook. <clears throat> their whole plan gets changed. Uh, God sends a mighty storm, beats the boat from one end to the other. They try everything, and it ends up shipwrecked. Um, Acts 27, 13 says, When a gentle south wind began to blow, they thought they had obtained what they had wanted. So they waited anchors and sails along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeastern swept down from an island. And for time's sake, I'm not going to read all the story. But in a nutshell, we got, the, uh, we got a hurricane. We got prisoners on a boat. We got Paul. And this is a pers his perspective, Luke's perspective of Paul. And everybody's freaking out. Start throwing stuff off the board. Uh, they're going to toss the prisoners. Right? Save yourself. We're all about to die. We're all about to die. The storm's coming. There's no way. The boat's falling apart. There's just no hope. We're not going to make it. And what's funny is we see Paul. And for some reason, he's got a whole different attitude going. Now I don't think for one minute that Paul was just sitting there with a big smile on his face and thinking, okay, you know, the floor just fell out from under me, but uh, uh, I'm smiling. I, I'll see that. I do believe that he had moments of anxiety. I do believe that he had moments of worry. But what it was, was he held on. And there was something in him, something in him that no matter whether he was in the midst of a hurricane on a sinking boat that was going to shipwreck, he was going to be floating soon, shackled to the boat because he's a prisoner. <laughs> Hearing these guys talking about tossing him overboard, happened to see his brothers that are chained up with him go through this as well. And we know his heart, we read his words. He's a man just like you and me. There was something in him that was different. Do you think he had to deal with uh, maybe depression sometime or anxiety or something? I mean, the way he, the way he writes, you got to think so. We see him on the boat, and this is going south. But something, there was something. In the scripture, in here, and I'm not going to read it for time's sake, but he says he broke bread, he gave thanks, and he ate. 
something that the others didn't do for day after day after day. They lost their appetite because they were so worried they were going to die. Yet, Paul found it in himself to break bread, thank God, and say, Okay, Lord, you have a destiny for my life. You have a plan for my life. And I'm not going to die today. Even though it looks like I'm going to die today, he denied it and said, I'm not going to die today. What was it? it? He dialed in. He tuned in. But we've been learning. It's like he switched frequencies. Amen? Amen. I can see him as he's sinking in the ship in the middle of the hurricane, uh, shackled, and he's telling them, we may be pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. <laughs> Perplexed. But we refuse to be despaired. Can you see him telling his brothers that? Everything's going on around us. But I'm going to take leadership here and I'm going to tell you, we will not be crushed. Are persecuted but not abandoned. Struck down but not destroyed. I mean, you got to think, he's going through these things and he's got to be taking these notes. Either he's wrote them already or he's gleaming from this experience and going to write it. <laughs> Paul knew. He sensed God. In the midst of chaos, he sensed God. All these things were going on. Everybody around him is saying, this is what's going to happen. It's over with. And Paul says, no. I can sense God's in this. When Paul tuned in, he prayed, he gave thanks. He refused to accept the inevitable. He switched gears. What did he do? He opened up the kingdom of God in his circumstances that day. Hmm. Y'all remember John's message? There's one line that I remember from it. And it says, if you walk around defeated, so will they. Paul knew it. So he cleaned himself up, he broke bread, he gave thanks, and he said, let's do it. Because I will not walk around defeated. If I walk around defeated, it's going to discourage my brothers around me. We will gain nothing from it. There is nothing. We will gain none of the kingdom from this. Abraham uh, Herschel said, uh, Men search the Bible their whole lives looking for God's mighty acts towards man. And what they find waiting, what they find is God waiting on man... <coughs> To act in a mighty way on his behalf. Amen. How do we act on what we cannot see? Maybe some things are meant for uh, not to be seen but to be felt. Amen. Maybe some things are meant to be heard or smelled. These are our senses. These are things. Our collectors. Funny thing about um, learning to sense God in his kingdom or the kingdom around you is that you become aware of the good things and the bad things you are producing in his dwelling place. All of a sudden, that thing which you, which you strive so hard to produce in your life could not achieve anything. You, you've done this, you've tried, you tried so hard, you strive to achieve something in your life. And you hit the ceiling, you cannot do it. <laughs> It becomes very clear 
that it's not the enemy oppressing you, but it's God protecting you. He's put a restrainer on you in order to bless you. The day of God's visitation in our life may look may be devastating. It may bring devastation to us. But that's what he does. He can do that in order to clean house, in order to get things right. Maybe that's what we need. Maybe when devastation comes or God comes knocking at the door, maybe if we would pray because he's listening, right? Maybe if we would pay attention. That's the whole point. Pay attention. Pay attention, pay attention. God is moving in your life. Pay attention because he heard you. And wait because he's coming. In Acts 28, uh, in Acts 28 uh, we find that because of the event of the storm that uh, Paul was in, his crew uh, landed on an island where the people were unusually kind. And after Paul had prayed for the chief's uh, father's sickness, a whole healing revival broke out. So even though Paul got on the ship and they almost died, God still fulfilled a, a destiny of sorts in him. He still, God had a plan. He says, okay, I'm going to shipwreck this side. This, this ship will never go to this island. But i got a people here that I want to bring into my kingdom. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to send a storm over here. I'm going to wreck this boat. I'm going to send an apostle of God over on this little island. And all of a sudden, now i got believers here. I mean, come on, that's divine intervention. Amen? Amen. Amen. <coughs> okay, so I'm at my mark. <laughs> I did 50 minutes. That's pretty good. <laughs> Better now and a half, right? Oh. <laughs> okay, so I, I'm going to wrap it up. But the point is, God is speaking to us. Amen. One message or another, he's telling us, the kingdom is yours. I give you the kingdom. Receive it. Receive it through your senses. Receive it through messages. Receive it through the body. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it. It's for you. He is for you. In order to equip you so you can go out and advance his kingdom. Amen? So in that 27th chapter of Acts, that Michael was just reading when Paul broke bread and he had prayed an angel appeared to him do you remember what the angel said first words out of his mouth do not be afraid do not be afraid it's amazing how these things seem to come together while Michael was preaching I, I always do this I can't help it I hope you don't mind it I write down the things that strike me the most and I guess the place for me to start with you is that Isaiah 6 says that the earth is full of the glory of the Lord. That's Isaiah 6.3. The earth is full of His glory, but we don't always see it, do we? We don't always perceive it. Michael was talking to us about all the senses that God gave us and how we can tune them in to, to know what God is doing. Habakkuk 2 and the 14th verse prophesied about a day when the earth would be full of the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Friends, that means that it's already here. We have to learn to see it. We have to tune into it. Is that a fair assessment? As Michael began to preach, he said it's a privilege to be in God's plan. How many of you view your life as a privilege? 
not just when you're in a third world country and you see somebody without food, but every moment of every day is a privilege because you get to be used by God. That perspective, he said, would make the difference between seeing our lives as devastating or seeing them as divine. Yeah. Maybe the shipwreck was divine and not devastating. Isn't that a good word? Amen. I enjoyed that. Uh, the difference between seeing something as punishment or seeing it as an invitation to do something differently. Yeah. How many of your parents beat you because they wanted to kill you? Glad no hands blew up for that. <laughs> no, it's an invitation to do something different. I think my favorite thing that came to me while it was preaching is a scripture that he didn't quote, but he got all over it, and it's just one of my favorites. It's Deuteronomy 29 29. It says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the revealed things to us. God is revealing things to us all of the time. I hope you have the courage to own them, to make them a part of your life, to let it change you. His glory is everywhere. We need to tune into it. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Yeah. Can you give a brother a hand whose mic went out? If you begin to play somebody else's song. <laughs> uh, they really did. That's what we were, we were, uh, we were working on this. For some reason, uh, foreign. Uh, well, somebody was accompanying you while you were preaching. It was the dramatized version. Uh, the last thing that I had on my mind for you is I had the strongest sense during worship and all through the message that there's a few of you that just need to break free. Something you still got to break free from. I know it's true. I don't want to go clan by clan, tribe by tribe, family by family, and call you out. I'd hold out rather you just uh, perceive what God is doing. If you feel like you need to break free from something and you're struggling and you're just not sure you can do it, Micah 2.13 is a good word. The Lord will send forward His breaker. He will break open the way before you. And the Lord Himself will lead His people out with the Lord at their head. This means that what you cannot break if you invite Him to do, He will break off of your life. He will walk in front of you. He will show you step here, step here step here. And He will lead you right out of where you're at. There's nobody in here that's hopeless or God wouldn't bring you here. You understand? Not one of you. You may not be bold enough or honest enough to be able to stand up and say, it's me and I need your help. And I'm telling you, if you will ask the Lord, He will break open the way for you. That's a good word, Michael. I appreciate it. I'm going to pray because He's listening. I'm going to pay attention because He's heard me. And I'm going to wait because He's coming. Let's pray. No standard. Holy Father, we could just close our service and walk away. Lord, many are already thinking about what they have left to do tonight and what time they have to get up tomorrow and what they have to do then. But I'm still concerned about your people and your kingdom. Lord, I'm asking that hope would arise as that single point of light in the dark room that Michael spoke about. Lord, that it would fill the room. <coughs> that the people might see your glory. They might see hope. Lord, we ask for your chain-breaking power to be made available. Lord, we ask that sexual immorality would fall to the ground. 
Lord, that it would have no hold in this place. Lord, we pray and we ask for your power to overcome discouragement and depression in this place. Lord, we pray for the courage and the will to act. Let your grace be upon us that we might stand in repentance, that we might walk in your ways. We can't do it without you, but Lord, we cannot fail with you. We are dependent upon you this moment. Lord, I ask that your spirit would be upon the shoulders of these men and women. Lord, that you would minister to them now. Lord, that that beating heart, that thumping in their chest that is a gift from you would lead them into righteousness. Lord, let your hand fall upon them. We thank you for this church, this community of believers. We thank you for the assembly. We thank you for our next services and the people that you have given us. Most of all, Lord God, we thank you for the chance for a change in our lives. Lord, give us the courage to embrace it now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Saints, if you know that that is you, find a pastor in this church. Find somebody that you see as an elder in this church. Pull them aside and pray. It's very difficult to get healed of things that you keep secret. Very, very hard. It's very easy to get free from things that you bring out into the open. Nobody here will embarrass you. Nobody will hurt you. Nobody will use something that you share to meet you over the heaven. Our goal is to see you shine in the kingdom. And shining's not having a better job or nice friends or something new to do on Sunday morning. Shining is knowing that you're in the center of God's will. Amen? Amen. 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 Y'all go and be blessed.